0: Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Seta. I realized the AO annual session was supposed to be this upcoming weekend, and we were all looking forward to seeing each other again. Nevertheless, the AO has put together another fantastic virtual event, so please be sure to check that out. If you happen to find yourself in Boston this weekend, Lightforce's Future Conference has an incredible lineup of speakers, including several guests we've had on this show. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in person at two conferences this fall. First, the Mother of Pearls meeting will be in Minnesota this year at the Mall of America. That's scheduled for September 9th through 11th. Get ready for the inevitable return of Relapse, yes, the all-orthodontist cover band featuring Drs. Cole Johnson, Kyle Fagula, Chris Teeters, and Brian Anderson. I'll be joining my friends on stage once again to be slapping the bass. I also can't wait to attend the 2021 Orthopreneur Summit, which will be in Denver, Colorado, from October 7th through 10th. Dr. Glenn Krieger always puts on one of the best orthodontic conferences, and you simply can't miss this one. If we haven't had the opportunity of meeting yet, I hope to see you at one of these two events this fall. Now, without further ado, let's start today's episode.
1: Yes, we're customized appliance. Yes, we're digital. Yes, 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 yes. But those things don't matter until we as a profession understand why those things matter. What matters is what's gonna grow the market because otherwise it's a red ocean game. And if it's a red ocean game, it becomes a commodity. My goal is to uncommoditize.
0: I'm Dr. Chris Seta and I'm shining a light on the innovators of our profession. Welcome to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. On today's show, my guest is Dr. John Pham. Today, I would like to introduce you to another impressive innovator in our profession. Dr. John Pham is a second-generation Asian-American and shares his incredible and inspiring story that is resonant of the American dream. You see, John is the co-inventor of Embrace, a new incarnation of behind-the-teeth braces. On today's episode, John will challenge you to forget everything you know about lingual braces. John considers lingual to be just a location, not a modality per se. In other words, the only thing he considers Embrace to have in common with existing lingual braces is their location behind the teeth. This is because most lingual appliances use customized smart brackets with essentially dumb wires that require regular adjustment. Instead, John and his collaborators questioned, what if the wire itself were smart and the brackets were dumb or just a zero prescription attachment to the teeth? With this new smart wire technology, John and his team at Embrace believe they have created a new category of teeth straightening and they hope to grow the overall market of people considering orthodontic treatment through a concept known as Blue Ocean Strategy. Well, welcome to the podcast, John. How are you today?
1: Chris, it's a pleasure to be here, buddy.
0: Why don't you tell everyone where we're at?
1: We're here in Hot Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Great to be in the ATL.
0: The ATL, that's right. And a beautiful hotel here, part of the Marriott Autograph Collection. And we tried to sneak up to their rooftop area to record this podcast, which had this beautiful scenic view of Atlanta. And technically, the roof wasn't open yet. So what happened, John?
1: Yeah, we were the cool kids trying to get into the club. We didn't know the club wasn't open yet. And we got (laughs) in, and I guess they had some security cameras on, and... Yeah. yeah,
0: I think we got busted on the security cameras. So they, they kicked our podcast out. We don't have a huge budget like some of the other orthodontic podcasts that probably would have gotten the rooftop. So now we're here in the lobby. So please excuse people checking in.
1: Well, we got to give a shout out to uh, the general manager, though, John Johnson, who hooked us up.
0: Yeah, John Johnson. Please, if you're ever in Atlanta, check out the Glen Hotel. Beautiful scenery. We have some video accompanying the podcast today. And I want to thank Ryan McGimney from St. Pete for joining us. But yeah, we
1: had a wonderful dinner last night, didn't we, John? We did. We did. It was it was good to meet up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know we've met in person before, but I think it's the first time we've maybe spent some quality time together. And I learned a lot about you and you have a really interesting background. Why don't you tell people about it?
1: You know, it's the immigrant story. My parents were from Vietnam and in 75 during the fall of Saigon, they fled you know, communism, oppression on these rickety boats. And our family came here with pennies in their pockets and all they really had were these seeds these these asian seeds because we were farmers back there mm-hmm. and so when i grew up we, we did what i call ghetto farming on the east side of la you know we were in the city mm-hmm. anywhere there was a patch of open land they would just start planting mm-hmm. and we didn't know any better we didn't know that that wasn't legal right yeah. but um when you're driving through southern california there's um on the side of the freeway there's always these kids selling oranges and you know lemons and mm-hmm. um those types of things. And that's what I did early on. And yeah, it was a crazy experience. I think you you learn a lot going through those types of things.
0: So you guys were literally like roadside, almost like with like a vegetable stand, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you learn at an early age sort of what makes people tick, what gets people to buy, you know, buying decisions. You learn about like commodities and what that is. Mm-hmm. And you learn about how to separate yourself by being different. Right. Yeah. But, you know, eventually over time, we raised enough money to have our own plot of land and our house kind of eventually became this place for other immigrants fleeing other countries um you know cambodians laotians um and we kind of became this halfway home for refugees it's a great learning experience because you you learn a lot about no matter who you are where you're from there's always a way to contribute yeah right for sure and you know farming wise, you, you learn that um, no matter what happens, you still farm, you still work. If it's rain, drought, doesn't matter. The other thing I learned is that I really hated farming. <laughs> so the story goes that uh, as soon as I got to college, you know, in the, in the 90s, the first thing I did was I dropped out. Mm. And a lot of people don't know this, but I'm an engineer by training. And so that was when I joined my first tech startup. And that was in, yeah, the, the late 90s.
0: So what college did you drop out of?
1: UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, first first week of college. Wow. Yeah, and, my mom, and coming
0: from an Asian family, like, oh, like how did that sit?
1: My mom almost killed me. Really? Yeah. But, you know, I told her, I said, mom, if you let me drop out, I'll be the Asian doctor son you always wanted. And, yeah.
0: and she, she went for that. Yeah,
1: uh, eventually she bought my pitch. And, you know, <laughs> eventually she got what she wanted. But, Chris, we were talking yesterday during dinner. You, yep. you know, you want to hear a little bit about my tech story. So we had this idea at the time that the Internet was something that was new and was booming. Mm-hmm. And if maybe we found a way to create an online platform for vendors to offer their products, we thought we had this thesis that maybe consumers would go on, find what they want click a button and then it would show up at their houses and i think we call it online shopping now Yeah, <laughs> but, uh,
0: yeah i mean it sounds like amazon right yeah but, but this know, was way before this was 1999 yeah yeah right? th- this
1: was 9899 i think amazon was trying to do it too but they were selling books yeah uh, but we learned a lot you know during that time i mean number one you learn that the power of ideas, the power of venture capital, how fast things can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, the company did make Entrepreneur Magazine's list of 100 hottest growing companies. Wow. And, you know, I was 19 years old driving around in Ferraris, Lamborghinis. What? You know, yeah.
0: I mean, that, that's a crazy lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, 19 and... Yeah.
1: Booking 737s for three, 400 of my friends to fly to the... That's you insane. know uh, ...West Coast to party. But the most important thing, though, that happened was the tech bust. Yeah, the bubble burst. Yeah, because you learn that the things that you own don't own you. The things, mm. whatever you define as success, what the world tells you is success, is not success. Hmm. And so Humble Pie is one of the best things in the world, right? And so after that, I went back to school, finished my degree in engineering, worked at Boeing Corporation. That was an amazing experience too, you know? So with venture yeah. capital, you find out, okay, what can ideas... And what can, you know, capital to fund those ideas, like, what can it do? Yeah. At Boeing, you learned about, well, what can the power of people do? I mean, they have 300,000 engineers, Hmm. right? And with 300,000 engineers thinking big, thinking different, you can put the man on the moon, you know, you can build rockets and satellites to transform how we communicate, you know, how we see the world, It was an amazing ride in itself. So So you
0: were an aerospace engineer.
1: Yes. I worked on some top secret military things. The time frame has been long enough now. I'll tell you, I worked on the uh, Air Force One. Um, What? Yeah. (laughs) Designing some things for Air Force One. The point I'm making though is that, you know, venture capital is great. Startups are great because you, you see what the power of ideas Mm -hmm. and capital that's willing to invest into those ideas can do. Right. But with, Aerospace engineering, you find out what the power of people and vision and possibilities can do. I mean, you know, Boeing was doing things like putting man on the moon, you know, satellites, right, lasers. Engineers just thinking about how we can do things differently, Hmm. right? So that was a great ride. But as I said, you know, my mom one day came up to me and said, you remember what you promised me when you dropped out?
0: It all comes back.
1: Mama never forgets. So I dropped out of engineering, applied to a couple of dental schools. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, UCLA admitted me, and I went back to UCLA again a couple years later to do dentistry. Mm -hmm. Um, And dentistry always kind of intrigued me. Really? Yeah. And I always kind of knew, like, there was a lot of innovation yet to be had. Mm. So I applied to dental school, and luckily I got into UCLA, and somehow I became an orthodontist. And along the way, you know, once you do startups, once you do innovation, it never really leaves you. And so what was the School of Engineering like? I mean, was it similar to dental school? Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting, right? Because I'd say, no, it's it's actually completely different. When I first got to dental school, I was actually a little bit shocked. I didn't take my first multiple choice test since the SAT until I got to dental school, right? And and everything was just about, is the answer A, B, C, or D? Mm Mm-hmm. In engineering, I mean, most of my tests were just a blank piece of paper, Hmm. right? The professor would write a question on the board, and your job was just to derive the answer. Hmm. And I remember there was this one final, I will never forget it. The professor wrote on the board (laughs) that uh, you have an electron hanging from a weightless string. Hmm. And beneath the electron is a magnet that oscillates on and off at a certain rate, Please derive the equation that explains how the pendulum movement of the electron will behave. The answer of those questions were what we would call Maxwell's equations, hmm. which is the equations that define electromagnetism and how electricity and magnets interact. That's why all of our iPhones charge through magnets, right? Like uh, Qi charging. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. And so, what he was doing is he was helping us derive the answers of these equations as opposed to sometimes how we're taught in dentistry is this is the answer, just memorize it,
0: yeah, more like spoon fed yeah the answers right? you know,
1: and I will tell you, I scored like a eight percent on that test. the curve was ten percent, mm-hmm. so I got like a c c minus mm-hmm. the a was like fifteen eighteen percent, wow, and I think. That is life though. If you can go into life or business knowing 20%, mm-hmm. that's an A. Yeah. Right? Because the world is unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think when I graduated from dental school and orthodontic school, and we were just so used to A, B, C, D, or E, and then you open your practice and you're like, well, where's the rule book here? Where are the multiple choice questions here? And there yeah. is no multiple choice options. Yeah. You got to define it. And I think for the innovators out there, I think it's okay if you don't know all the answers. If you have an inkling, you have a 20% idea, but you're so passionate about it, pursue it. Mm -hmm. That's an A+.
0: So do you think your engineering mindset really sort of spurned that innovative attitude and trying to derive the answers of life?
1: I think the engineering mindset, the immigrant mindset, Mm -hmm. the not being scared to fail, not being scared to put yourself out there was what motivated me to the risk that i did Mm -hmm. right
0: so what was dental school like at ucla
1: dental school was completely same school but completely different mindset Hmm. don't get me wrong i love dentistry but you know in in engineering it was a lot it was a lot about what was possible you were expected to ask questions you were expected Mm -hmm. to challenge the status quo Mm -hmm. because if the iphone 10 years from now was the same iphone as it was today there's something wrong Mm -hmm. in dentistry you know, every time I asked a question, I kind of felt like I don't know. I, I felt like I was different. <laughs> I, I felt like people didn't like that. You know.
0: Yeah. So you felt like dental school—you were just more. This is what you do. This is what you do to maybe fit in and yeah. learn the program.
1: And I, 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 I felt a lot to shut up, answer the questions, and move on.
0: Stay with us for more of my conversation with Dr. John Fam after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Kind support for this podcast comes from FishBine Fundamentals. Dr. Ben Fishbine invites you and your team members to beautiful Pensacola Beach, Florida. I've personally attended this in-office course on several occasions, and it's amazing to help with practice growth. Dr. Ben and the Fish Ortho team will grant you an all-access pass to their marketing strategies, simplify new patient procedures, and efficient clinical systems best of all, you're able to go behind the scenes and observe the fish ortho team on an actual patient day. The next course is set for September 10th and 11th. Reserve your spot today at fishbindfundamentals.com. Welcome back to my conversation with Dr. John Pham.
1: Yeah, so dental school was great. And towards the end of it i decided to apply to ortho residency never thought i'd make it in but somehow both dovey and i ended up at usc together and that was where um i met one of the most brilliant men i've ever met in my life dr hong shang tong he is a professor at usc orthodontist but also phd in bone biology Hmm. he was actually one of the top bone biologists in china right and so you know when you're top one percent of like 250 million, 300 million people in the U.S., that's one thing. When you're like top 1% of like, whatever, 3 billion people in China, that, that's something else.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you met him at USC, and what was your research on, and like what technologies did you guys develop?
1: Yeah, he, he was a uh, alum, okay. Go Trojans, and he decided to give back and became a faculty member. But, you know, when we met, I think we hit it off right away because we, we knew that there had to be a better way of moving teeth that can tap into what I call the blue ocean of consumers that could benefit from teeth straightening, that would want teeth straightening, but don't have a method that really suits their lifestyle.
0: So you mentioned blue ocean strategy. So where did that come from?
1: Yeah, so blue ocean is a philosophy of thinking, but it's actually written in a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy. It really is about how do you grow markets, right? And one way is by being number one. Right, being the biggest, the biggest car dealer on the block, come buy my cars because I'm the biggest car dealer on the block. The other one is by being the best, being highest quality. Go buy my cars because it's a Mercedes Benz and it's the highest quality. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, through the blue ocean way, it's okay. Well, you can also grow by just being different. Hmm. And oftentimes, you know, when you're the best, and you're the first, and you're also different. That's how you really redefine market boundaries. And that's what Tesla did. Mm. And that's what Apple did. And that's what Amazon did. And that's what Airbnb did. And that's what Inbrace is doing. Mm. Yeah, so Hong Sheng Tong, again, he's a bone biologist, also orthodontist. And we actually started off publishing papers in the AJO, mm. doing a lot of 3D imaging things. If you guys look us up, you'll, you'll see we, we have about 20, 30 publications in the AJO. A lot of, a lot of it on digital. 30? Yeah. A lot of it on digital cat cam things. A lot of it on straight wire appliances. A lot of it on superimposition, cranial base superimposition, root movement within the bone. And, you know, it it was really exciting. We made the cover a couple of times, but really those publications just kind of sat in the journals. Okay. And we're really big on trying to make impact at the chair side. Yeah. And so the question is, well, how do you do that? And we were like, well, to do that, I think we got to do something that actually changes human behavior, you know, people's behavior. So, you know, at the time we saw plastic aligner therapy starting to take hold, right? Um, and it was funny because I'd have these patients coming into our clinic at USC asking for plastic aligners. But I'd have my faculty members tell me, no, you, you can't deliver that because it doesn't work. It doesn't finish. But they themselves would be wearing plastic aligners on themselves, we're I like, oh, There's something fishy here, right? At the same time, um, customized lingual braces was starting to, you know, make its rounds, and I remember I, I went to one of my faculty members and asked him. I said, "Hey, you know, could you teach us how to use this certain brand of customized lingual braces? Because you're the world expert in this." And he looked at me. He said, "You know what? No, that's um, this is only for the world experts."
0: You know, just to jump in here. Lingual braces are basically, you know, for our listeners, behind the teeth, inside braces. Uh-huh. I think those first came out like in the 70s, right? Yeah. I think it was like Craven Kurtz who yep. sort of yep. developed that. Yep. And I think that was with Ormco originally. Mm-hmm. And then there were just different iterations of different yeah. companies more or less coming out with Lingual. And it, I think it really hit maybe its heyday like the early
1: 80s. Yeah, on that? yeah. So- but, but but the problem is that it never hit the mainstream. The question is why? Yeah, so why? Right, There was definitely customer demand. Definitely patient demand. But the problem was, we just took braces on the outside and put them on in the inside. It's basically, you know, sliding mechanics, labial braces put in the inside. And we know the stories. It was too hard to use. It was, it was uncomfortable for the patient, right? They talked like they had marbles in their mouth, right? You couldn't delegate to dental assistants. So you had to charge like $12,000 for it. Mm. I mean, it was very difficult. Right. So what we tried to do is, we're like, well, if this is only for the road experts, and this is the best technology we have out there, that's like having a Ferrari that no one can drive. Yeah. Right? Can we make a Model 3 that anybody can drive? So
0: what was the big, like, technological breakthrough?
1: So, I mean, the first fundamental biological breakthrough that we all know is that light continuous forces moves teeth most efficiently. Mm-hmm. You know that. For sure. And we apply way more force than necessary to move teeth with sliding mechanics because of the coefficient of friction. Mm-hmm. So is there a way to move teeth without having to overcome friction? Hmm. And so that's where we came up with this notion of programmed non-sliding mechanics. Interesting. So that
0: was sort of the, you know, going back to your engineering background and sort of that blank piece of paper and deriving the answer was how do we overcome friction?
1: Yes. That was the fundamental problem, Mm -hmm. right? Of not how do we overcome friction is the question was why is it that we move teeth the way we do? Okay. Why is it we're applying so much force? And why is it that behind the teeth braces has not been more mainstream when we know consumers want it? Mm -hmm. And so the answer was, okay, well, um, program non-sliding mechanics. And there's two parts of that. So the first part is non-sliding. If you're not sliding then you can apply just enough force to move teeth, which makes it more comfortable and uh, less painful. But the other part is programmed, right? Where you can customize tip, torque, rotation, tooth, you know, space closure, all that into the wire so with pnm program non-sliding mechanics we've been able to open up a whole new world because now you can delegate it to dental assistants Mm -hmm. you have fewer appointments but more important than that is when you combine all these things together we can now make behind the teeth treatment affordable for the masses Mm -hmm. and open up a whole new category
0: so let's back up a little bit here you are at usc you mm-hmm. met Dr. Hongsheng Tong. Mm-hmm. I believe you had other collaborators, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andre Westheimer, uh, brilliant orthodontist. Uh, Robert Lee, engineer and orthodontist. I mean, this this concept, this company, this category was founded by orthodontists. And it really is one of those bi-orthos for orthos. And our mission really is to double the people getting orthodontic treatment.
0: So this was really developed at the time you guys were thinking of starting a company and just sort of starting a revolution in terms of lingual braces and improving on what was already there.
1: No, actually, at that time, we were just thinking about, number one, how can we develop technology that can help orthodontists differentiate against plastic aligners and, Mm. you know, commoditized labial braces and, you know, something that can only be done with orthodontists in the brick and mortar. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make it clear here at this point, okay? I love conventional braces. I love the way they look. There's a place for it. Mm -hmm. Plastic aligners, there's a place for that too. But I also think there's a place for something different. Um, Do you wear glasses, Chris? I do. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Some people wear glasses, and that's the most conventional, most obvious way to know you're getting eye correction. Some people wear contact lenses, and you can get contact lenses through the mail, like you can get STC through the mail, and it requires compliance for you to see. But some people also want LASIK. Mm -hmm. That's the most invisible aesthetic option of all that doesn't require any compliance from your side and needs to be done by a specialist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the wide open space for us orthodontists, Mm. right? And I do got to talk about this. Here's the opportunity, because I think in going back to abundance mindset and scarcity mindset, right? Yeah. In dental school, we're kind of trained that there's only 100 spots for dental school, so we got to compete for those spots. Mm -hmm. And then in residency. Very much scarcity mindset. Yes. Fear based. Fear based. Am I going to get in? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in residency, there's only six spots, so we got to compete for those. And then it carries over when you graduate and you start opening up these practices. And as well, there's only a couple hundred starts per, per month here on my block. So any other orthodontist that's, that comes in is, is, is going to you know, be my competition. Mm-hmm. But our research has shown that three out of every four people in the United States need some kind of tooth correction. It's a large percentage. A large percentage of people. Yeah. If you take into account household incomes over 75,000, that's about 185 million people in the U.S. alone that can pay for orthotic treatment, afford it. They are buying things like Botox, LASIK, cool sculpting, you know, all these aesthetic mm-hmm. health-related things, but they're not spending money on ortho, right? There's yeah. only 5 million starts in ortho each year. Hmm. So, really, when we talk about blue ocean strategy, you talk about abundance mentality, it's like, Why are they spending money on all these things that make them feel better, make make them look better, but not spending money on ortho? Mm -hmm. And that's what we sought to do with Embrace.
0: Wow. So at some point, you guys developed these really cool technologies. And did you immediately know you're going to start a company or were you planning on practicing at that point?
1: We were doing our research from 2011 all the way to 2014, publishing papers, all those things. The idea to actually start branding it started at USC. Okay. And I do want to give a plug to USC and CHLA Children's Hospital in Los Angeles because early on we were treating kids with cleft lip and palate using Embrace. You think about these kids with cleft lip and palate. They, they have to come in every single month for years and years on end from miles for and sure. you know, yeah, hours I, and hours away.
0: I treat cleft and craniofacial patients too.
1: So really at the, at the time we were like, well, is there a way to increase these appointment intervals? Hmm. Is there a way to do it um, in a way that's programmed so that they don't have to do all these, you know, activations? And is there a way to do it so they don't have to look worse before they look better? Mm -hmm. And guess what? It's not just kids with cleft lip and palate that needs this or that would want this. Adults want this too. Young professionals want this too, Mm -hmm. right? The point I'm making is that the first several years was really about proving out the clinical outcomes, proving out the tech. We tried to raise funds for it from the dental school, but... You know, it's one of those things where I think when it's too close, they don't get it, you Mm. know? So we were actually denied. It's actually kind of funny. Our first checks came from the School of Engineering. Oh, really? Yeah. We had to compete in these business competitions against 3D printing. Amir, Amir Mansori from Sprint Ray, we competed against him, you know? Mm. Uh, My dear friend. Uh, We competed against cancer therapeutics, and time and time again, we kept winning these business competitions. And I have these photos of our team holding $10,000 checks, $30,000 $30,000 checks, $100,000 checks, $5 million checks. Wow. And it just kept scaling and scaling and scaling, right? And now we've raised over $80 million to date,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, to, to fund this behind-the-teeth type of treatment. And it's kind of funny because I think every clinician thought we were crazy. Like, why would you want to slang lingual braces? Mm-hmm. But the world doesn't know this exists. Mm-hmm. The problem isn't lingual braces. Lingual is a location. Mm-hmm. It's not a modality, and I think that's where we went wrong.
0: Would you say, if I could just jump in here for a second, John, that lingual sort of died down for a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books, which if you guys follow me, you might have heard the story, is "One Simple Idea" by Stephen Key. But he talks about the idea of a sleeping dinosaur, of basically like an older concept that maybe is sort of like you know reinvented or respun in a new way. And in some ways, I feel like maybe lingual braces was a sleeping dinosaur that you guys sort of improved upon right
1: yeah i think any innovator out there would know that real innovations we sit on the shoulders of giants and things have been tried before and we have to really ask why was it never adopted mainstream mm-hmm. airbnb was not the first vrbo came before that the ipad was not the first there was a newton or something before that right so, um yeah. cat-
0: the zune uh music player the, 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 the zune iPod,
1: yeah right? the, before ipod there was a zune. So, but, but really, we have to really kind of say, what is the problem and why isn't it being more adopted mainstream? And so, you know, <laughs> embrace is, quote, unquote, not just better lingual, just like the Tesla is not just, quote, unquote, a better Prius. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, to us, it is fundamentally something different because, you know, we've reduced all the friction, no pun intended, that came with lingual braces. It's easier to use. You can delegate it out. People actually know it exists or ask for it by name. Providers are charging the same price point as labial braces and clear aligners. You know, four to six thousand dollars. If you looked up lingual, you would see on Google uncomfortable twelve thousand dollars treatment. No one offers it. You look up in brace, you can find a provider near you.
2: Yeah.
0: So basically, you you took something that was difficult to perform for orthodontists and just very exclusive for the patient where maybe just celebrities or, or actors would get lingual treatment and you sort of made it more like mainstream basically for yeah. people
1: well let me ask you this what's the difference between an Essex retainer that's active and a clear aligner
0: because um, we've been
1: moving teeth with with these active not, retainers not for a long you know, time
0: I studied under Dr. John Sheridan who's you know was famous for sort of uh, developing uh, Essex and mm. uh, you're right I mean that That existed way before Invisalign existed.
1: Yeah. Well, I I will give Invisalign a lot of credit, right? They Mm -hmm. spent hundreds of millions of dollars making it scalable, making it practical for any clinician to do, making it just as predictable as any other treatment, and making it so that consumers can ask for it by name, right? And I say despite the orthodontist, it became what it is, right? And it grew the market, Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It grew the market. You know, no one's doing worse in their practice because clear liners exist.
0: No, it totally grew the market. I mean, they were going into a blue ocean, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. They brought in so many patients that would have never considered so, traditional orthodontics. So, you know, I want to yeah.
1: spend a moment on this. This is really important here. If you look at all what I call category creators that tapped into the blue ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Rich Iverson, bless his heart, is actually on our board. He was the president of 3M Unitech in the 80s. And he was one of the main guys that brought on clarity ceramic braces in the 80s and we heard the stories right if you look at the market when 3m first introduced clear braces ceramic braces orthodontists were saying what oh the market doesn't need this i'm doing fine banding patients seven to seven my patients love the way these metal braces look it's a pride thing you know they love showing it off but ceramic braces you know clarity brackets grew the market from two three million starts a year in north america to about four or five million starts a year and it opened up a whole new type of Patient pull or consumer pull mm-hmm. to our profession, and then twenty years later, it became a commodity. It became what I call a red ocean, where people were competing on price, and mm-hmm. you know sure. all the GPs. all different kinds of clear brackets. Yeah, right. GP started doing it. Right, my bracket's more clear than your bracket, or whatever. And that, that's fine as much. Or yeah, whatever. that's yeah. A, that's fine. But then a line came in and introduced clear aligners. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all know the conversation there, right? Oh, it doesn't work. Oh, people love the way the racists look. No one would ever want this. Yeah. And then clear aligners doubled the market mm-hmm. and tapped into a whole new set of consumers. And today, you see clear aligners now are exactly where clear racists were 20 years ago. Mm. Right? Yeah, it's
0: interesting because, you know, supposedly Align's main patent came up. And I think that was oh, I want to say maybe, what, 2017 at this point? I got to fact check that. But, you know, before that, it was really just Invisalign and maybe ClearCorrect where Mm -hmm. I think we're the only players. And and now I think most of the major companies have a product offering.
1: Well, Dan Ellis, who was the head of sales for Invisalign from 05 to 13, is actually one of our advisors. Hmm. And so we know that story very well. The question I really have people now is this, what's going to double the market right now for the, your practice and for our profession mm-hmm. to bring us from 10 million people in orthotic treatment in north america to 20 is it a clearer clearer liner is it a straighter straight wire
0: an attachment less clear mm-hmm. liner I, I, who, who knows, right? I,
1: I mean to me no it's something fundamentally different mm-hmm. Because, again, there's 180-something million people out there that are spending money on aesthetics, spending money on Botox, but not spending money on Inbrace. And, you know, we, we, we've been doing this for several years now. We've spent, you know, 70-something you know, million dollars in R&D and marketing research and all those things. But these people want teeth straightening. We just don't have something that is available for them. And, and that's what, to me, Inbrace is.
0: When we come back in just a moment... We learn more about the technology behind Embrace and how the company evolved as a result of the COVID pandemic. Stay with us, you're listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. Support also comes from Orthodent Laboratory. Orthodontics isn't about guessing, it's about accuracy. So why are you still guessing subgingival tooth structure by using traditional bands? ODL is now offering direct metal 3D printed appliances. ODL's laser-centered bands achieve a precise fit off your intraoral scan and eliminate the need for a separator appointment. 3D printed appliances provide a better experience for your patients while saving you valuable chair time. To learn more, contact info at odlortho.com. Mention the Illuminate podcast and get your first laser-banded appliance for free. Welcome back to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast and my conversation with Dr. John Pham. To me, it's very fascinating how you go from concept, right? So here you guys are sort of in a lab at USC Mm -hmm. discussing how we can move teeth in a better fashion, avoiding friction. And... You go from an idea, you're getting funding on the engineering side. Like, how do you form this company, right?
1: The first tell, thing... Tell
0: our listeners, like, if yeah. they have an idea. like,
1: If you, you are an innovator or yeah. a business person that wants to go out and create your own category, it always starts off with the end user, which is the consumer. Okay. So I, I keep going back to the market size here. No, no. You know, you got to think about how many people would want this. That's mm-hmm. the first question. Mm-hmm. To me, in the U.S. alone, it's 185 million people, where only 5 million people are getting started. Wow. Right? Second, you have to find people that believe in your vision. And sometimes, the people closest to you don't... There's this thing called nose blind. you know what nose blind is? No, I haven't heard of that. Your poop stinks so much, you've been smelling it for so long, you don't know you're stinking. (laughs) Right? So I think, as an orthodontist, a lot of us are nose blind to our own stuff. We thought people loved the way metal braces look and some people do two million people did yeah but 185 million people did not yeah ceramic braces came in we hated it. a lot of people didn't like it but it grew it the market was
0: maybe better than the other option right right
1: And then plastic liners you know again you know we, we were smelling our own stuff we thought it smelled great you know we thought plastic liners were not the answer but look it grew the market. So going back to talking to those innovators out there, sometimes we got to look outside to find the answers for the inside. And so, you know, um, the School of Dentistry thought we were crazy. We had to go to, go to the School of Engineering. Mm-hmm. And the School of Engineering was able to support this idea because they got it. They were like, you know what, John, what you're doing doesn't save lives, but it definitely changes lives. And I went through, you know, conventional braces. I went through plastic aligners. And what you have is something I would want. Mm-hmm. Make it happen.
0: Yeah. So tell me what's different about Embrace in terms of, like, the technology. Because I know you guys developed this smart wire technology, right? Yeah.
1: So uh, the smart wire technology is actually, a, that is the category that we talk about, okay. right? There's labial braces, there's plastic aligners, and then there's the smart wire. Mm-hmm. And this is something that people are now, consumers are recognizing as a different thing. Okay. It, it, it's a category of its own. And what the smart wire ha- enables is what I call automated treatment, mm-hmm. right? You put it behind the teeth. And it's able to tip, torque, rotate, close space, open space, all from day one, mm-hmm. right? All programmed as a smart wire. Imagine 20, 30 aligners, all all kind of condensed into one smart wire. And it's, it's made out of um, uh, shape memory, nickel titanium, you know, alloy. And um, it's programmed with, you know, all these loops. As we know, loop mechanics is uh, very effective. Yeah. To deliver all the forces and all the teeth, I mean, all the teeth movement that's necessary from day one.
0: Gotcha. So this is probably something that you guys came up with, robotically bent wire. I imagine it's not like magical pixies that, that yeah. bank the smart wire. Yeah, so, I know you can't give away too much yeah, in no, terms I mean, of the proprietary you know, nature. But.
1: I can talk about that because I know people are interested. It's digitally programmed on the computer using algorithms. I mean, we've done tens of thousands of smart wires now, right? Mm-hmm. Digitally programmed to program just the right amount of force into the teeth that's needed to move them. Mm-hmm. We call it gentle force, okay. right? Um, without sliding, so you're, you're now using a lot less force. But because of the nature of program non sliding mechanics, it's moving the teeth like a Tesla drives on autopilot, mm-hmm. right? Reducing drastically the amount of interventions needed. Also, what are the pain points of lingual braces? Inner bracket distance is short, so it's really hard to engage teeth. They're very you know, bulky, big, all those things. We put all the intelligence into the wire instead of into the bracket, which means much smaller brackets. Hmm. Interesting. Right.
0: And is the slot the same? Is it like a horizontal insertion?
1: It's a vertical insertion, okay, right, which makes access much easier. But it's funny, right? I, I do have to talk about this here. You asked me to keep it real, I'll keep it real. There was a executive from a very large company, I'm not going to name what it is, came to Embrace to see what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I explained all the technology and all those things, and they looked, and the first question was, well, what's the slot size? Oh, one eight or oh two two? And I said, "What? Really?"
0: You were like, "Who cares?" I was like, yeah. "Why? Do, why does it matter?" Yeah,
1: you're asking me a commodity question. Right. You're asking me what I have this orange, you have that orange. Why should I buy your oranges over my oranges? I'm like, man, I'm selling vegetables here. It's just different. Yeah, right. That's like going to Elon Musk and asking him, "Hey, what size are your rims?" And Elon's like, "Yo, man, my car drives itself." <laughs> What are you talking about, right? And and that is category creation. That is blue ocean,
2: Mm.
1: right? That's why I'm saying there's a place for oranges for kids selling that on the the side of the road. There's a place for lemons, and there's a place for vegetables. That's what I did. Mm. And no one right now is selling vegetables, and people want vegetables.
0: So going back to where we're at with sliding mechanics I mean, is that mostly spacing cases or does sliding mechanics matter in a crowded case?
1: With non-sliding mechanics, it works for all types of cases. Okay. Right? I mean, as orthodontists, you only prescribe one drug. You know what drug that is? What's that? Force.
0: Okay. Ooh, I like that.
1: And it's all these different modalities are just different ways to apply force the teeth don't know. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you want to use a needle that everyone can see? Mm-hmm. Do you want to use a needle that's clear? Or do you want to use a needle that's invisible? Right. Do you so, want to use a needle that's going to require compliance or one that does not require compliance? These are all the different questions that we're just trying to answer.
0: For sure. And since I'm not a legal provider, I'm guessing like just sliding mechanics was a large pain point for a lot of mm-hmm. lingual orthodontists. So. You know, I'm assuming that it's within the smart wire, there's an ability for the smart wire to almost like constrict, and that's what's causing yeah. the space closure. Yeah,
1: it can constrict, it can expand. Um, for those folks who there who are um, ortho junkies, you'll know that Edward Engel perfected the Edgewise appliance in Pasadena, his fourth school. It's down the street from mm. USC Ortho, by the way. And he did it with the best technology he had at the time. But... Do you know what his first appliance was? What's that? It was actually the ribbon arch hmm. that used closing loops between every single tooth that had vertical and insertion. Vertical slot, yeah. Right. So we really started off just asking ourselves, what would Edward Engel do if he was alive today with three D printers, with the big data, with AI, with you know shape memory alloy? I mean, this was before NITI existed, right? They were using gold oh, wires sure. at the time. Yeah. That's kind of you know how we rethought the whole entire thing. I'm big on asking why it's not that vertical slot is important. why vertical slot? Because it makes insertion easier when you're trying to access from a certain you know area of the tooth, mm-hmm. right Or you know closing loops. Why is that important? Well, because now you don't have to deal with friction. and it also allows you to floss. right
0: which is which is yeah, obviously a uh, great benefit.
1: And yes, we're a customized appliance. Yes, we're digital. Yes, 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 yes. But those things don't matter until we as a profession understand why those things matter. No, I understand where you're going with that. Ultimately, what matters is what's going to grow the market. Mm. Because otherwise, it's a Red Ocean game. And if it's a Red Ocean game, Chris, then it's just a price point game. It's about faster, better, cheaper. Cheaper. Mm -hmm. Right? And it becomes a commodity. Yeah. And, And my goal is to uncommoditize.
0: So, when did you guys launch the product?
1: So, we actually started with what I call founder doctors, right? People who were really... Progressive, willing to break the status quo in 2017. Uh, prior to that, we were doing trials at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, where mm-hmm. kids with cleft and palate, and at USC. And, uh, you know, from 2017 to 2019, you know, had some really good traction, you know, really good clinical results. And um, as of this year is when we're really doing our full launch. And I think COVID really kind of, opened up our eyes to the need for something like this Mm -hmm. right because during COVID you saw uh, patients not wanting to come into the office as frequently Mm -hmm. but at the same time patients wanting to have something that's very aesthetic because they're seeing themselves on Zoom every single day right Mm -hmm. and with aligners you can still see it and obviously with you know labial braces you know Mm -hmm. you you can obviously see that but most importantly with COVID a lot of these people don't want to be reaching to their mouths all the time taking out this plastic day in day out so we really saw a place for something like embrace
0: so just to push back a little bit i remember 2019 aao you launched the product you guys were out there right
1: yeah um at that time we had launched but we were not, if you were there at aao we were not actually signing up that many that many providers yet okay uh, because we wanted to make sure that we were signing up providers in the right locations where we can give them the proper support so, John,
0: you guys were on a roll, 2019, AAO. I, I was there at the booth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys were like the rock stars. That was the place to be was the Embrace booth. And then COVID hit. And so what happened to the company?
1: Yeah. So 2019, we were preparing for a big launch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say not that much later, COVID hit. And again, I think at that time, the whole world kind of paused and said, you know, what's oh, the sure. future look like? And one of my mentors at the time told me something I always remember. He said, "You know what? COVID is not going to stop anything. In fact, COVID is going to accelerate everything. And if you're the type of person that can see the future and know how the world's going to move, that's your time to move and make mm-hmm. the changes. And if you're one of those people that maybe more scarce scarcity mindset and don't want change, and you know, then you're just going to just." completely to slow down and maybe even shut down Mm -hmm. and we see with our own profession the orthodontists who were willing to adopt new technologies change their own workflows change their own business models are coming out stronger than ever
0: oh yeah for sure
1: right and other practices to shut down Mm -hmm. so for us yeah we had to take a little bit of a step back but we were able to revisit our roots rediscover why we're doing what we're doing you know redefine why we're not lingual right? We even rebranded the company and remember what it meant to call ourselves embrace. It's about embracing change, embracing ideas and moving forward to the future. So it's been great. We're coming out of it stronger than ever.
0: Yeah. I think you shared with me last night that you're on this incredible trajectory. Maybe like you were at uh, 500 or, or more, maybe approaching a thousand employees. Mm Mm-hmm but you had to make some really tough decisions to cut back at the company, right?
1: Yeah, we we did. And I think every business person listening had to do the same. Mm -hmm. But um, again, I I think the way actually I remember March 27th, 2020, I called a meeting with everybody. And I said, I'm starting a new company. And that company is going to be based on Embracing change, that company's going to be based on complete transparency. That company's going to be based on not taking any bullshit from anybody, not letting the world tell us who we are, hmm. but we tell us, we tell the world who we are. And that company's called Embrace.
2: Hmm.
1: Who wants to join? Hey. And and from there, we started the company.
0: Wow. So let's fast forward the world is sort of getting back to normal in its own very unique way. Whatever normal really is, there is uh, no normal. Twenty twenty one exactly. There right? is no normal. We're in the normal rally is
1: just. It, I'll tell you this. Normal is just what a construct. Someone is. Normal is just a construct that somebody else told you you should be. Mm-hmm. There is no normal.
0: Yeah. So anyway, here we are in, in this nice mental construct of uh, May twenty twenty one in Atlanta, Georgia, and what do we have to look forward to as far as embrace?
1: Embrace is going to double the market for orthodontists who see the future, who want to tap into the 185 million people that are not walking to your practice right now, but are walking into med spas, are walking into Botox centers, are spending money on everything else on their face, but not spending money on teeth straightening. And we have multiple ways of getting there, not just through amazing technology, but amazing, you know, marketing strategies. I shared with you all the marketing data that we had Which yesterday. It's very impressive, yeah. Right? I mean, we know down to the block level of every single geography in the United States what people are spending on aesthetically, lifestyle-wise. And, you know, with the people who believe in this vision and want to tap into this blue ocean, we're going to commit to them 100%. Every new provider that joins with us has a dedicated business growth consultant, technology integration specialist, and orthodontist. Hmm. And I'm using different words than what you're normally used to hearing because we're not doing what other companies are doing.
0: Usually it's a sales rep, right? Usually it's a sales or rep. A yeah. rep. Or a customer service rep. Yeah,
1: or a trainer. But my job isn't to sell you anything, hmm. Right. My job is to help you get competent with this new category of treatment so that the consumers in your area who are asking for it can get it if you want to treat them. I'm not asking you to switch your aligner patients to Embrace. I'm not asking you to switch your labial patients to Embrace. I mean, that's what other companies do. We're not cannibalizing. It's not a market-stealing technology. It's a market-growing technology. And so, yeah, I mean, we're going to market in a totally different way, with a totally different technology, with a totally different vibe.
0: So say I'm a doctor that I want to join this blue ocean. Where do I start with this?
1: Well, there's multiple ways to do it. You can do it on your own if you want. Pick up the book Blue Ocean Strategy, find out. And I encourage you, innovation is not just technology. I think people get that a little bit twisted sometimes. Innovation can be business model innovation. That's what STC was. It was a business model. Uh, Align was more of a product innovation you know inbrace is a little bit of both but if you want to do it your own way i would recommend you you know pick up those books um, you want to do the inbrace way you know go on inbrace.com click on find a provider and we'll be happy to talk you through this and we we keep it real you know what inbrace isn't for every provider and that's okay right if i try to do something for every provider i end up with nothing inbrace is for those providers that want to you know, grow their practice not by cannibalizing but by tapping into a new group of consumers Embrace is for people that want to prepare for 2021 and beyond you know it's funny I had the other day I had an orthodontist come up to me and say hey John I really want to do Embrace should I Should I buy an interval scanner and I said hey man you should buy an interval scanner because it's 2021 <laughs> right? yeah exactly yeah you, you know I really want to do lingo. should I try Embrace it's like hey man you should adopt new technologies and the best technologies because you're a specialist. Yeah. And people are, come to you because you know how to use everything and anything. And it embraces the one you want to bring in fine. Yeah. Right? Don't try technology. Right? Technology is something that's always there. You should commit to technology. That's my opinion.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Illuminate Orthodontic Podcast. If you like the show, please take a second to click subscribe. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could share this show with your friends. Until next time, this is Chris Setta signing off.